0: Welcome, everybody. Good to see all of you. And uh, a special welcome again to you if you are a guest. Uh, We're just glad you're here. We hope that you uh, have a great experience and are encouraged today. And if you're watching online, we're so glad you're here as well. Hey, before I dive into our teaching time, Uh, I'd like to just pause and pray for a very special group of people that will be leaving today. Uh, In just a few hours, uh, we have over 150 uh, counselors and campers leaving for summer camp. And so, man, summer camp's a special time. We trust that God's going to do some great things in the lives of our students. And so let's just pray for them before they go, and then uh, we'll dive into our time teaching. So let's pray with me. God, thanks uh, so much for a time to gather here today. And God, thank you that uh, these folks have come And uh, whether they're logging on online or here in person, Lord, thank you that they've sacrificed the time to learn, to draw close to you, and to see what you have for them today. God, uh, we think about this special opportunity for our students, Lord. And we know that uh, many times you've spoken in very profound ways to people of all ages when we remove ourselves from a common environment and uh, just pause and experience something different. So God, for this week that our students will be at camp, God, would you speak to them? and Would they listen to you? And would you move mightily, Lord, for any student that goes that does not have a relationship with Jesus, God, would they uh, meet Jesus this week and experience new life in Christ? God, for all the students going who know you, would you draw them into a deeper relationship with you, a a relationship with more obedience and more trust? And God, uh, would you impress upon their hearts to be disciples who make a difference in this world? So God, we lift up our, our campers, give our counselors wisdom, give them stamina and energy, <laughs> and uh, be with them, Lord, as they spend this week investing in the lives of these uh, students in the next generation. So God, we lift them up. And Lord, for the time and the word that we're about to have, God, would you open our ears and open our hearts and open our minds so that we can not just learn more about you, but just spend time with you and learn from you. So that's what we're asking for, Lord. That's what we're trusting in. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. amen. Well, it's probably been one of the most profound experiences of my life, one of the most exhilarating experiences of my life. And it was something I was always interested in, but I never really had the opportunity. And so when the opportunity came, I accepted it without even hesitating at all. And so I got in the car with some family, some friends, and we headed toward the destination. And as we got there and got out and started to prepare, uh, I was starting to get nervous. I was starting to get anxious, but I knew I wasn't going to back out. I knew I wasn't going to chicken out at all, and so we went through the training, and, and uh, even though I was getting more nervous, I was getting more excited. Uh, as I strapped in, I knew it was just going to be one of those moments of sheer adrenaline exhilaration, but also probably going to scare me terribly, and uh, we got into the vehicle to get toward our target, and the whole time, the anticipation was building, and the, and the anxiousness was building, and I just didn't know what was going to happen, and so as I stood at the door of the airplane with my toe on the end, uh, several thousand feet up with a parachute on my back, I just knew this is the moment that this is going to happen. I've got to be all in. And jumping out of that plane was one of the most exhilarating experiences. And pulling the chute and the whole you know, parachuting experience was phenomenal. But to get from the ground... Uh, Onto the airplane, up into the air, uh, through the free fall, and then into that quiet moment where the chute opens and you can just hear a whisper. was incredible. But I had to be all in to make that experience happen. And I look at my life, and I look at some of, some of the most defining moments of my life where I've come to a threshold of, if this is going to happen, I've got to be all in. Standing across from my wife, Rika, 21 years ago this Friday, saying, I'll take you to my last breath or until Jesus comes back. I'm all in. Finding out that there's a God who loves me, a God who went to the cross for me and died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave so I could have new life, I could have eternal life. If I'm going to enter into a relationship with Jesus, I've got to be all in in. I remember God's voice speaking to my heart and calling me into full-time ministry, saying, serve me with your life. When I made the decision to go into ministry, I was all in. When the Allens received the opportunity to come here to Cuyahoga Valley Church over three and a half years ago to pastor here, we were all in. There's times in your life when you come to that threshold where you realize you've got to be all in. When have there been moments, when have there been experiences in your life when you knew that you were at that threshold, that to take that next step, you had to be all in. And maybe you were counting on other people that that you interact with in your life, that they would be all in. Maybe it was your spouse when they stood at the altar with you and said their vows, or maybe your future spouse that you're planning on that as they're going to say their vows. Maybe as a boss, it was that person that you hired or maybe it was as an employee, uh, the boss who hired you, they trusted trusting you to be all in. Maybe it was the president you voted for. Maybe it was that friend you relied on. Who knows? There's probably these moments where you realized you had to be all in or you were counting on other people to be all in. You know, the news about LeBron James coming to Cleveland is very exciting. But it comes with an expectation from the people of Cleveland that LeBron's going to be all in. <laughs> you know, there's, there's that type of expectation. Well, if we're going to be followers of Christ, if we're going to be lovers of God, we have to be all in. We can't stand and just kind of put our toe in the water, just kind of experiment or treat God like he's an accessory in our life. We have to be all in if we're going to genuinely, authentically follow Christ. And when you look through the pages of scripture, uh, we have names of men and women that were all in. They, they, They were all in when it came to God's calling in their life. Now, Other than Jesus, because you have to take him off the table because he's God. Other than Jesus, there's one individual that stands apart from all the other people in the Bible. Arguably one of the most uh, distinct, unique people in the entire Bible, especially when it comes to an all-in faith. And his name is Abraham. Abraham is an incredible story of a man who had an all-in faith. And we're going to be looking at his life a little bit today, and in the next couple weeks to come, we're going to be touching on Abraham as well. Uh, What we're going to be looking at today is found in the Bible from Genesis chapter 12 through Genesis chapter 18. Now, that's a very big chunk of Scripture. We're not going to cover all that today. So we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 12. I invite you to turn in your Bibles there now and prepare. Um, But I challenge you also, in the next few days whether it's in one sitting or maybe in a couple different sittings, I encourage you, read Genesis chapter 12 through Genesis chapter 18 to fill in some of the gaps of what we're touching on uh, today because we're not going to have time as we look at the life of Abraham. Now, uh, this will be a review for some of you. It might be new information to those of you who are unfamiliar with Abraham, but I want to give a little bit of basic 411 about this man Abraham before we dive into our passage. Now, all the events that surround Abraham's life and uh, that moment of history, all occur about 2000 BC. This is when Abraham lived and all the things took place. And the unique thing about Abraham is that all three major monotheistic religions point to Abraham as their founding father, as their patriarch. So Judaism, Christianity, and Islam all have this admiration and uh, origination of Abraham as their founding father of their faith. And Abraham originally uh, was born and raised in a place called Ur. Ur, if you look at the map here, is southern Mesopotamia, which is modern day Iraq area, not that far from the Persian Gulf. Then Abraham moved to Haran. And Haran was northern Mesopotamia, which is modern day Syria. And then after God called him, Abraham left Haran and he moved. To Shechem, into uh, you know the Palestinian land, into uh, ancient Canaan, and he temporarily lived in Shechem, which right now is about the West Bank area by Nablus. Due to a famine, he went down to Egypt for a season, and then he came back and he camped out and decided to live between Bethel and Ai in ancient days. Uh, Just just on a side note, uh, I got back about a month ago from Israel. Glad I'm not there now. Uh, that would be a dangerous place. We've got to keep remembering to pray for the folks over there and all that's taking place. But this is a real man. This is a real land. i got a chance to walk, to see and to touch some of the places that uh, were there during his time, before his time, after his time, a uh, land that, that he and his ancestors have touched and been at. This is, this is reality. This isn't a, a myth. This isn't a little fable or a story. This is a real man. This is a real history that we're looking at when you read through the book of Genesis. So don't forget that. We also know that Abraham was originally born with the name Abram, which means exalted father. And God changed his name to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. Abraham's wife name uh, was Sarah, originally Sarai, now it's Sarah. And we also know that another unique thing about Abraham, unlike anyone else, God had a special term for Abraham. God called Abraham his friend. When you read through Scripture, there's several places where it says that Abraham was God's friend. Abraham and God had an intimate connection. And and Abraham carried a special promise. He carried a special covenant made by God to him. Now, with all that being said, Abraham wasn't perfect. Abraham wasn't sinless. He was a flawless man. Uh, Just like we are flawless people, he was a flawless person. But his life is characterized by this incredible faith. And all in faith. And so I want to invite you again to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 1 through 8 to kick off a little bit of this understanding of it all in faith as we look a little bit at the life of Abraham. Now, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram told Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all the possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And from there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Just an introduction to Abraham and God's call into his life. As we look at that, we think about this all-in faith, and we pick up some qualities of what an all-in faith include. The first one we see is this. An all-in faith includes listening. And all in faith in God includes listening. Look at Genesis 12, 1. It says, the Lord said to Abram. Many times in many places, that phrase is captured in the life of Abraham. The Lord said to Abram. The Lord said to Abraham. And what you see here is that there's this dialogue taking place between this man and God. And so... Abraham is listening to God. He's identified the Lord's voice, and he's not just hearing it, but he's listening to it. He's identified a call. I hope all of you in your life have done a a great job of starting to isolate the voice of God in your life. I want you to know whether you're here for the first time and you don't even know what you believe about God or whether you've been walking uh, for decades with the Lord, the Lord loves you, he cares for you, and he speaks to you. He speaks to you. Now you 've got to understand where does God 's voice exist the loudest. Well, there's basically three places that the voice of God will be heard the loudest. The first is in His word. When you open up the Bible and you spend time in the Bible, you will hear the voice of God speaking more loudly to you. The second is in prayer. When you are talking to God, when you're listening, you're going to hear the voice of God. You're going to hear the nudge. You're going to hear the leading. A lot of times, it'll be something bigger than you. It'll be something beyond you. It'll be something that's (laughs) anti-you on a lot of levels, you know? And, and, And that's the voice of God when you're in prayer. And the other is in Christian community. When you're in Christian community with other people who love God and are trying to listen to His voice, if you are in the Word of God, if you're in prayer, if you're in Christian community, you're going to hear the voice of God louder in your life. The reason a lot of us uh, struggle in hearing the voice of God is we're not in the Word of God. We're not in in deep times of prayer or extended prayer, and we're not in Christian community. Well, of course, we're going to have a hard time listening to the voice of God when the people around us don't share our faith. When the books that we're reading are all these other books or all these other shows or all these other websites than the Word of God. That we're doing other things and taking in other uh, pieces of advice than to go to the Lord himself in prayer. And so the Lord speaks. Are we going to listen? Are we going to listen to the voice of the Lord and identify his calling in your life? When's the last time you've identified God speaking to you and God leading you and God nudging you and putting things in you. A lot of times in those moments, I have to filter that, and I have to say, okay, is this the voice of God? Is this something God would tell me? Is this something my Heavenly Father would tell his beloved child, yes or no? Because if it's of condemnation, or if it's of guilt, or if it's something that God would not want me to do, I can reject that. Is this something I see in his word? As I'm praying, what does it resonate in me? As I talk to my Christian brothers and sisters who are wise, how do they process what I'm sharing with them about what God's telling me? And so I hope all of you have identified a recent time God's speaking to you. How's God speaking to you now? Maybe some of you are sitting here and God's really been been speaking to you about something and and he's got your attention. Are you listening? Because the all-in-faith starts with listening. The second attribute we see here is that an all-in-faith includes trusting. all-in-faith includes trusting. Uh, What was Abraham thinking and processing when God came to him and called him? I mean, he had, to, he had to sift through that and sort through this in a, in a, in a major way. There, there was one moment, we'll see it here in Genesis chapter 15 in a second, there was one moment where Abraham's having this dialogue with God, and he's saying, God, um, this is a paraphrase, <laughs> he's basically saying, God, uh, you've told me you're going to make me a father of a nation. You told me I'm going to have a lot of children. Uh, there's just one slight problem. I don't have any kids in fact, the only one right now that's of my household, yeah, I brought my nephew, my nephew Lot over because his father died, but he's doing his own thing. Um, I've got this servant in my home, this guy, Eliezer. I guess, I guess he's going to be my descendant unless you do something different. And look what God tells him in Genesis 15, verses 5 and 6. It says, Behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. And then he said, so shall your offspring be. And then look at this, verse 6. And he, meaning Abraham, believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. You know, you see that same language in Galatians 3 and Romans 4 and James 2, that Abraham believed in God And it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham trusted. He had a trust that turned into this belief. And here's what's so important. He didn't uh, primarily believe in just what God was saying. He was believing who was saying it, right? There's times in your life when you're listening to somebody and you are wondering if they're telling you the truth. Why? Because you're questioning the character of the person speaking to you, Right? There's times when you've messed up and have not been a person of truth and people have questioned you and your word because you haven't always been truthful They're questioning your character. When God speaks, he speaks from his character and his character is truth. His character is divine wisdom. His character is divine sovereignty. So when he speaks, he speaks from truth. He speaks from perfection. And so Abraham didn't have a hard time trusting because he trusted who was speaking, not just what he was speaking. And so even though he's looking at this going, I don't even have kids. Like, like the, the, the change of Abraham's name, Abram, which is exalted father to Abraham, father of many. Can you imagine him telling his friends that? Hey, guys, God just changed my name to Abraham. Doesn't that mean father of a multitude? Yeah. Do you have any kids? No. <laughs> yeah, we know what you've been doing, Abraham. You've been out smoking something. I don't know what it is, but... <laughs> he, he had to have this trust and who God was and what he was saying. And it says here in this moment that God took that trust, he took that belief, and he credited it to Abraham as righteousness. You know what that means? It's like God got out his giant spiritual ledger book and says, I'm going to make a deposit in Abraham's name. I'm going to give him a credit of righteousness because of his belief and faith. And you and I have the same opportunity because God's revealed himself to us through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And when you and I place our faith in Christ for our souls and for eternity, God has this big spiritual ledger book open. He says, I'm going to apply the righteousness of Christ now to you. And in the same way that Christ's righteousness was applied to you and I when we placed our faith in Christ, is the same way that God applied the righteousness of himself onto Abraham because of Abraham's belief. Abraham believed. He trusted. Do you trust God? Even when things get crazy, I was just talking to a lady last service. They just just had a loved one die recently, and they're just immersed in pain, and it was a tragedy. It's like, is there going to be a trust in God that despite the pain in my life, I can trust the one who's speaking? Now, we have a four-year-old. A lot of you know our story. Um, We adopted her two years ago from China. She had cleft lip, cleft palate. And uh, she's had three surgeries, and we just, a couple weeks ago, had her third surgery for cleft lip, cleft palate issues. And there was a time that she was in her bed this um, last time. I just looked at her, and she's in there, and she's got you know all this stuff. I'm, I'm just going, there has to be moments when our little faith looks at us and goes, why are you letting these people hurt me? Like, why are you letting them stick needles in me? And why are you letting them cut me open? and they're, they're, they're cutting this and pulling that out and cutting this and putting that in, and it hurts, and I'm in pain, and all I can do is cry, and I'm looking at you. You're my mom. You're my dad. You're supposed to protect me. I don't have a clue why you're just sitting there letting these people hurt me because as her parents who have a completely different type of wisdom and understanding than her. We say, you don't know now anything outside of this pain you don't know that down here later down the road it's going to be such a great benefit to you that, that your speech is going to be better and the, and the construction of your mouth is going to be better and uh, these things are all going to come together she doesn't understand that in the moment guys when you're going through your pain because that's the biggest time that's when we question god the most when things don't go right god why why this why that there's times we have to say it doesn't matter do we trust Because God, as I'm in my hospital bed wondering, why, God, are you allowing this pain in my life? God's going, you can't understand like I understand. I see down here. I see how this can bring strength. I see how this can bring character. I can see how I'm going to glorify myself through it. You can't see that right now. Will you trust me? And all in faith, trust. They trust the Lord. Are you trusting God? Are you going to trust God when the difficult times come because all in faith is trusting and all in faith is also obeying you knew that was coming right and all in faith is obeying because when you look at the life of abraham one of the words that just captures his life the best is obedience i mean think about what abraham was told here look again at genesis twelve four. He's told he's going to go to this land. He's told he's going to have his offspring. He's told he's going to have this nation. He's told to leave what he knows. In Genesis 12, 4, so Abram went, as the Lord told him. It didn't say Abram entered into a dialogue, Abraham discussed, Abraham got out a piece of paper and drew the pros and cons, you know, it just said Abraham went. He just went. In Hebrews 11, verse 8, speaking about the faith of Abraham, it says, by faith, Abraham is obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance and he went out not knowing where he was going some of you have relocated for a job some of you have moved think about some of the things you might have done or the opportunity you have to do if you move okay hey, i'm going to go live at this town i'm going to live at the city okay you get down on the computer and you're going to map out what's the best way to get there. Okay, I'm going to think, what, what's the housing market look like? Okay, what's, what kind of houses are, What are the school districts? I'll check those out. Uh, where's the, the closest Starbucks at? You know, you're looking at everything. You, you map out where you're going to live, where you could live. You could, you could look at a house, buy a house, prepare everything, and map your way before you even leave your home here. Abraham didn't have that opportunity. He didn't have Maps app on his phone. He didn't have Google. He was living in Haran, and God said, go. To a land I'm going to show you. Translated, you have no clue where you're going. Just follow me as I tell you along the way. How many of you would be like, sign me up? <laughs> we have too many control issues in our life. We wouldn't just you know, go with that. Abraham just went. He obeyed. And you look at the life of Abraham, and you see all these moments where Abraham just obeyed the Lord. I want you to change your name to Abraham. Yes, sir. I want you to change your wife's name. Don't call her Sarai anymore. Call her Sarah. It's a different form of princess. Yes, we'll do that. I want you to call your son Isaac. Yes. I want you to institute circumcision as a sign of my covenant. Yes. (laughs) Okay, Lord. And and as you unfold the life of Abraham, you see this, this level of obedience. Now, he didn't always trust completely, right? There's a couple different times where he tried to take things into his own hands, right? He's not flawless, remember? Remember that, a, that, a, that a, all in faith isn't flawless, it's just faithful. I mean, we see when he went down to Egypt, this is a very loose translation of what took place, but basically Abraham said, my wife is hot, the Egyptians are going to like her, they're going to kill me when they find out I'm her husband so they can keep her. And so he made up a lie that she was his sister. That's not completely trusting God and obeying God. We see later, as he's got this promise that he's going to be made into this nation with all these you know, offspring, as he doesn't have a child on the radar yet, that... Sarah's pressuring, and in her pressuring, she says, tell you what, you marry my servant, my Egyptian servant, Hagar, have a child with her, so that way we have a kid. And he says, okay, that wasn't complete trust and obedience. So we don't look at Abraham's life and go, it was 100% obedience and it was 100% faith. But he's not defined by the couple times he deviated. He's defined by all the times he obeyed. He's defined by all the times he trusted. And so you and I need to strive for the same thing. May we be people that when people look at our life, we're not defined by the couple times we didn't trust. We're not defined by the couple times we didn't obey, but they look and see a far greater amount of trust and a far greater amount of obedience to God in our life than the disobedience. And this is what we hope for, because an all-in-faith is going to be an obedient faith. And Abraham obeyed. You know what that sounds like? Two words that obeying God can be manifested as, and I want to have you repeat them with me. Yes, Lord. Can you say that with me? Yes, yes Lord. Lord. That—that's obedience. Let, let's just try it on with some samples, okay? So, when I prompt you, let's just try out. Let, yes, Lord. Okay. So, uh, don't take that; it doesn't belong to you. Yes, Lord. Okay. Don't tell them that it's not true. Yes, Lord. Don't marry or date that person because they don't know me and don't love me. Yeah. A little quieter there for some people. <laughs> Some of you cross your fingers. Love me with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. Yes, Lord. Go there because I, I want you to do something for me. Yes, Lord. Stay here because I want you to do something for me. Yes, Lord. See, does that really hurt that bad? Some of you are going, Yes, Lord. <laughs> that, that's the sound of obedience. I want to say, Yes, Lord more in my life i hope all of you sitting here going i want to leave here today with the desire and the ability to hear god's voice and trust him so much that when he tells you to do something you just say yes lord may you be a person that says yes lord more this afternoon and tomorrow than you did this morning because an all-in faith is an obedient faith that has obedience and all in faith also involves sacrificing. Sacrificing, our favorite word. Genesis 12, 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and of your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Some of you have felt sacrifice. Many of you in this room have probably had moments, whether it was for a friend or a family member, that you sacrificed something that you wanted for yourself, so that someone else could have it, something that they needed or that they wanted. Some of you have moved, and you've left homes, and you've left families, and you've left things you were familiar with because another opportunity came along. Some of you have decided to take less income in your life because you want a healthier family, and you want to be there with your kids more. Some of you have downsized your homes because you don't want to be strapped, and you've sacrificed. Some of you have given up popularity, possessions, money, prestige, something because there was something else that you felt was more valuable and you were willing to sacrifice. Some of you sacrifice relationships. There have been toxic people in your life that you love, but you just realized I've got to somehow sacrifice a level of this relationship and give some distance for the well-being of my heart and for the well-being of the heart of the ones I love. All of you know sacrifice on some level. Abraham is a man of sacrifice. Think about it. In Ur, in Haran, when when we look up and study ancient Ur and ancient Haran, they were pretty nice places. He was probably comfortable. He might have had a nice little, you know, probably had a nice little crib there, you know. It was all good, you know. He probably had everything he needed. He had all his family, had all his friends, had everything he needed. And God said, now I want you to leave. I want you to sacrifice that because I have something different for you. I want you to leave the old because I have something new. You know, you look at Joshua 24, there's an interesting piece of information about Abraham that a lot of people don't even know. It says that Abraham and his father and his relatives worshiped pagan gods. We have reason to believe Abraham didn't start off as a God worshiper. He started off as a guy that was worshiping pagan gods, Joshua 24. And so God said, you need to sacrifice these false beliefs so that you can find and follow the one true God. I hope that's all of your stories. I hope all of you realize you came to a place where you were following a false belief and you found and followed the one true living God. But if you're gonna do that, guess what it involves? Sacrifice. It involves sacrifice. So Abraham was willing to sacrifice. Are you willing to sacrifice to follow God? Let's just put this on the table right now. God does not exist to accomplish our will. Our dreams, our hopes, our desires, our plans, our agendas, our five-year plan, our 10-year plan, whatever it is, God does not exist to make that happen. We exist to make God's will happen. And every time we try to make the two combine, every time we try to co God's will and our will, what happens? We make a mess, don't we? And God's will will never yield to our will, ever. So why fight the fight? May we learn to be people who can let go. We we, we clutch and hold and cling to things that keep us, this this is the sick, twisted part of it, that keep us from experiencing a deeper joy and a deeper relationship with God. Some of the petty little things we cling to, the obsessions and the fixations that we find ourselves having, sometimes we cling to those. And in our clinging, we bring down a low ceiling in our life of what we can experience with God. And there's times when he'll say, all right, if that's what you want, you can have it. Have luck with, you know, good luck with that. There's other times when God interrupts that and says, no, it's not what I have for you. Either way, we have to come to a place of sacrifice. When it comes to, Following Christ, living out our faith means letting go of something. Now, one of my favorite moments in Israel, and I shared this on a video with you guys a little bit, but I was in Capernaum, which was the home base of Jesus. I'm standing with my feet just inches from the Sea of Galilee, and I'm, I'm looking along the coastline this way, and I'm looking along the coastline that way, and I'm going, I am in visual range. Where Jesus walked up to a boat with a man named Peter and his brother Andrew and said, get out of the boat, follow me and walked a little bit up that coast somewhere else and found another boat with two other brothers, James and John, and said, hey, you're hanging out in that boat with your father catching fish. Come on out, follow me. And those guys got out of the boat to follow Christ. Those guys laid down their very lives for the Savior they came to know and love. The book you're holding, the device you're holding with all those words, God's word, bleeds Sacrifice. You and I will not be faithful to God without it costing us something, our preference, something. Abraham was willing to sacrifice and if we're gonna have an all in faith, we'll sacrifice too. And lastly, an all in faith involves blessing. It involves blessing. Look again at Genesis 12, verses two through three. And I will make of you a great nation and I will what? bless you and make your name great so that you will be a what blessing i will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you i will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be bless. blessed it's not all bad news <laughs> there's blessings and when you look at Abraham's life, there were blessings to Abraham. You look at Abraham's life, you look through those chapters, man, he was provided for, he was cared for. God's hand of protection and favor and blessing were upon him. He didn't have a perfect life. He didn't have a pain-free life. He didn't have an easy life. But God's hand of blessing was upon him. Abraham received blessings. There were blessings from God that went to Abraham. But do we also see there were blessings of God that went through Abraham? I mean, write to the people of Israel when you look at the hebrew nation the israelites the jews the hebrews this was a nation that god blessed has blessed i mean have you ever just stopped like right now with all that stuff going on again over there have you ever just stopped and went okay there's this giant thing called a globe there's all these nations with far more people why is it that this tiny strip of land is always a big deal Why are people always fighting for that little strip of land? Why are people always contentious with this one group of people? And how is it that this little tiny group of people are so fierce and able to defend that land so well? God's hand is still upon them. Some of you are going, I don't know about that. Don't get confused. God made a promise to Abraham. I'm going to bless your people. They're going to live in this land. They're going to have kings come from you. I'm going to put my hand upon these people. God made a promise. Now, Israel might deviate from the promise. And if Israel is not faithful to God, God God's saying, not my problem, I'm gonna be faithful to you despite that. And that's good news because you and I are not faithful to God all the time. But don't misunderstand. On your best day of most incredible obedience, God loves you, he forgives you, and he's committed to you. And on your worst day of the most heinous sins in your life, of the hardest heart you could ever imagine, God loves you, and he forgives you, and he's there for you, and he's committed to you. He's a God of promise. No matter how we fluctuate, God loves you. Some of you need to hear that message so desperately. You've come in here, and you haven't stepped foot in a church in years. Or you're sitting here, and you're rust- wrestling. You're going, I've just done stuff. There's no way God would love me. And he just put you in this chair so that you can hear with your ears. No matter what you've done, he loves you. And no matter how far you go from him, his love will follow you and chase you until you give up and abandon and surrender and say, I'm tired of doing it my way. Come into my life. That's our God. And there's blessing with that. And the Hebrew people are a blessed people. The Jewish people are a blessed people, but it didn't stop there. If you look at a couple verses, they're so powerful, they're so profound. In Romans chapter four, verses 23 through 25, it says, but the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead, Jesus, our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Galatians 3, 7 through 9 says, knowing that It is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, those are non-Jews, by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Translated, Translated, The day that you say, Jesus hung on a cross for my sins, Jesus rose from the grave, and Jesus is coming back, and I'm going to follow him. The day you believe that, you become a spiritual sibling to God's promises in Abraham. Those same promises to Abraham now apply to you in a little bit different context, but it's through Christ. Because here's God in his perfect uh, wisdom saying, I want to bring this man Abraham and I'm going to create a nation out of him, and out of Abraham's line, 42 generations later, I'm going to bring the Savior, the Messiah, the Christ out. And you look at Jesus, and you look at Matthew and Luke, and you follow the genealogies found in Matthew and Luke, and you look at Jesus, and it traces them all the way back to Abraham. How is it that we're blessed? How is it that all people are blessed? Because the Savior who died for all the sins of the world came from the lineage of this man on the human level and from the lineage of God on the supernatural level. And his promises are made available to us who believe. And so blessings came to Abraham and blessings came through Abraham. Look, if you follow God, you give your life to Christ, blessings from God will come to you. And don't misunderstand. misunderstand. I'm not talking about prosperity gospel, name it, claim it type of stuff. I'm just saying, if you follow Christ, things are going to happen in your life that could never happen outside of it. Certain gifts, experience, strength, stamina, trust, peace, patience, joy, whatever it is, God's going to give you what you need. We all have unique needs, and God's going to do something unique in your life and through your life. And so God's hand of favor and God's hand of blessing will be in your life, and those blessings will come to you, through Christ, and they want to go through you. Every day, every dollar, every breath that God gives you is designed to flow through the conduit of your life into the lives of others. And some of you are sitting here going, "I, I can't think of anyone that's being blessed because of my relationship with Christ and all that he's given me. Let me just love you enough to say, it's not God who fell asleep on the job. Everything you have has been given to you by your Savior. And so that you can experience some joy and that you can be a source of joy for others. Blessings to, blessings through. And all in faith involves blessing. You know, we have a family, one of many in the history of our church that have been listening. They're trusting. They're obeying. They're sacrificing. They've been blessed and they're ready to be a blessing. And they're stepping out on a unique opportunity to apply the very things we're talking about. And instead of uh, me talking about it, I'm going to have them share with you via this video here and there.
1: We were living in Nashville, and Jackie came home, and I talked to a friend of hers who had been speaking with World Relief. And that organization was... Uh, Planning to bring in these young men from South Sudan, which nobody knew anything about and didn't know what to expect. But Jackie asked if we could host some of them in our home. And little did I know that 13 years later, what an impact that would have on our lives. If we're going to take our family to South Sudan, uh, I had to go and scout it out and <laughs> see what this place was about. And so I decided to go in 2012, in was January.
0: One of the things I did is Jackie had met. Uh, and had to build a relationship with a gentleman who worked for this Purse. Well,
1: somebody in that organization uh, knew of my going over it and knew of our interest in doing something with orphans. He said, if you're going to go to South Sudan, you have to be Lily in Dennis Clatton and Harvester of, of Nations, which was uh, down in Yeh, which is very near the Ugandan border, about 30 miles north of the Ugandan border." And we got there, and they came running from all over the place. <laughs> Church in South Sudan has two
0: campuses. They have uh, one
1: campus, which is their original campus, which is run by Dennis and Lily in Yang, and that's south. And they have 160 kids there in an orphanage. They have 600 kids that attend a school that's primary school for them, which would be equivalent to like elementary school here. The idea is to give them a uh, family-centered Christian education, and when you're on the compound of the orphanage, it's as if these kids are part of a family. We really, really fell in love with these kids while we were there. And I remember sitting there that day thinking, for this, I would give everything. For this, I would leave my home and I would move here. I'm just going to go over there and hang out with the kids. That's one of the big things I do over there is I play soccer. They love playing soccer during their recess time after school. So. I'm out there playing soccer and kicking the ball around with them. I'm going over there for not just two weeks, I mean two weeks when I went over there, I hardly can make it but now I know that I can make it and I can do it with Christ because he's right there on my shoulder, right there by my side. We definitely are excited. We definitely uh, are just looking forward to all that He's going to show us, and we know that in a worldly sense it may not be exactly what we think it should be or what's going to be successful in the worldly sense. But we know that's God's will, and we just pray that in everything He receives the glory. Can
0: you say Hi. <laughs> Did you hear it? The principles we've been talking about? Listening, trusting, obeying, sacrificing, and blessing. It's all there. You know, the, the Tuckamans and four other individuals are leaving on the 24th, and they're leaving for Sudan to go do ministry there. And then uh, four of those team members are coming back home, and the Tuckamans are staying. Four of the Tuckamans are staying there. Stephen, Jackie and Noah and Abby are staying and, uh, for a year. And so uh, we encourage you guys just to love on them and pray for them. Support them, encourage them. Uh, today, the team has some stuff that they've prepared for food out in the uh, area there. If, if on your way out, you just want to help send that team, feel free to stop and eat here and uh, just, just be a blessing to them. But just keep them in your prayers as they prepare to leave. It's kind of a modern-day Abraham moment for them. There's other families that have had those modern-day Abraham moments in this body. And here's the thing. God might not be calling you to go to Sudan, but he is calling you to Go. He told us in his word, go and make disciples. He's calling you to go. He's calling you to go next door. He's calling you to go across the street. He's telling you to go across the hall. He's telling you to go across town. He's telling you to go across the state, across the nation, and across the globe. Where are you going? Are you a life house? Are you ministering to those closest to you? God's calling you to go. And if we have it all-in faith, we'll be hearing that and we'll be obeying that. Here's the, here's, the, here's the idea I want you guys to leave with today. The, the, the take home, the concept I just want you to grab onto is this. That an all-in faith is a lived-out faith. How are you living out your faith in Christ? Are you all-in? For some of you, the very first step to being all-in is you've got to surrender to yourself and let Jesus come into your life. And maybe that's your step today, is it to give your life to Christ. For some of you, you know Christ, but you, you haven't been listening, you haven't been obeying. Maybe today you'll commit to obeying whatever the Lord puts on your heart. I want to pray with you guys as we close out here. Uh, man, there's a response card. You can share with us the decision you make. We've got a prayer cove over there that you can just, if you want some face-to-face connections with some folks who will pray for you. And uh, if you make a decision for Christ today, I encourage you highly to go make a face-to-face connect. Uh, just let us know what God's doing in your heart and how to follow up. We're also going to receive our offering this morning. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being faithful here. Thank you for being faithful investors. Um, People like the Tuckermans, and people that the Tuckermans are going to be impacting are affected by everything you put in our gift um, basket or give online. And so thank you for being faithful for that. Lives are being changed. So let's pray. Well, God, thank you for the reminder through just a tiny little tour of Abraham's life that you call us to believe, you call us to obey Lord, may we listen to that. And God, I pray right now for anyone here that does not have a relationship with you, that even right now they would listen to your voice loving on them, speaking forgiveness, speaking about the death and resurrection of Jesus so that they can have relationship with you and forgiveness of sins. And if that's you here this morning, uh, you can just tell God you're ready to believe. You can just say, God, I believe. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe that he rose from the grave. I believe I need you in my life so by faith, Jesus, come into my life now. I'm tired of trying to do it on my own. <laughs> help me get the answers to the questions I have and to be obedient and following you. And God, for the rest of us that may know you in this room, God, help us to listen, help us to obey, help us to follow. Help us to be a blessing to others. You're a great God, and may we live out the faith we have in you. In Jesus' name, we all said